The following message from Bible teacher and pastor Jim Crabb is brought to you by Imago Day Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Ohio. All right, you bring your Bibles today. I got a simple word today, but literally it's profound because it is the Word of God. And I'm in the book of uh, the book of Titus this morning. The book of Titus in the New Testament. And I just want to preach a simple truth this morning. I'm going to talk just for a few minutes about about what we really are as Christians. What we really are. What I'm going to preach today is what we really are even before we're powerful. Now I believe the church is powerful, do you? He gave us the day of Pentecost, didn't he? He gave us the day of Pentecost. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came, didn't he? And Jesus had told him, go to Jerusalem and wait there until the power comes. Power. We need need power. It'd be ridiculous to... Listen, I I just kind of look like I'm I'm really, really crazy, but I'm not that crazy because I know this. That here's what crazy, crazy would be trying to pastor a church without power. It's tough enough with power. Amen. But it's, but, but, but we've got the power. But this, what I'm going to preach today is what I am even before I'm, before I'm powerful. Hmm? Before I'm strong. Amen. This is what I am. Before any other part of my life, this, is, this has to be the, a living reality in my heart. I want to talk this morning about the, the term that the, it, that's a New Testament term, and, and it's in the Old Testament, about being a bond servant. Because before I'm anything, I am a bond servant. Now, let's see if, if Paul, the apostle, was one. You know, sometimes we, like even at the, in, in this uh, translation that I'm using today, I'm going to use the uh, Passion Translation just for a minute, and then we'll go to King James. But it, it's got um, introduction over verse 1. So sometimes we, when we're reading our Bibles, we, we say, well, we don't need to read verse 1 because that's just an introduction. We know what he's going to say. He's going to tell who, who wrote it and who he's, who he's writing to. But you know there's glory in the introduction. There's, there's, there's power. There's, there's revelation in this introduction. Now Paul was an apostle. He remembers Paul's story. I love Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus. He was a, an enemy of the church of the Lord Jesus. He was an enemy of believers. He was casting believers into prison, shutting down as many church. He, he, was, he was on the, the Hebrew payroll to just close down churches. Huh? He was, he was an enemy. He was, and he, there were people that were killed. Even, you know, Stephen was stoned under his watch. The, the first de- one of the first deacons was stoned and before he went to heaven he preached and 
but Paul was standing there holding his coat. He was, he was not a good man. Even though he was a, a Jewish man, a Hebrew, he, he said, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He wasn't just a Jew. He was a, he was a good Jew in that sense, in that he loved the law, amen, and, and hated something, a brand new idea like Gentiles could get saved. I am so glad today that Paul, Saul of Tarsus found out that Gentiles could get saved. What's a Gentile? Gentile somebody outside the covenant that the Jews had with God. I'm thankful today that I found out by reading my Bible that we are to take the gospel not just to the Jews, but we are to take the gospel to the Greeks. We are to take the gospel to the Gentiles. We are to take the gospel to the alcoholic. We are to take the gospel to the broken and the dying, to the least of these, my brethren. We are to take the gospel to all mankind. Every human being needs a touch from the gospel. We are to take the gospel into churches where it's like this one. We believe in the spirit-filled life. Take it in there and preach. Hallelujah. But we're, we're to take it to religious people that don't know about the Holy Spirit. Amen. And don't know about salvation through Christ. And their experience with God is just a social a system that they're a part of. Amen. But we are to take the gospel like Saul of Tarsus finally figured out to the Gentiles. Amen. And we're to, we're to take it everywhere. And Saul of Tarsus, though, you know, he might have thought he was, he was working with God. What he didn't know until Jesus got a hold of him is he was working against God. And all of a sudden he said he was going to go down to Damascus to continue his full-time ministry of closing down the churches in that region. But thank God it says in the book of Acts chapter 9, he, he said, all of a sudden in the middle of the day, I saw a light. Man, I, I still believe in, I, see, I saw the light. Amen. I, I'm telling you, we all have a story about when we saw the light. I mean, I was living in such darkness, but like Saul of Tarsus, all of a sudden in my journey, in my walk in life, I saw a light. And I'm not talking about it lit up like, you know, these lights lighting up my bald head here. I'm talking about, Paul said, he, Saul said, I saw a light that was brighter than the midday sun. How bright was it, Pastor? Well, when the whole experience got over, he was blind. Because the light of the glorious gospel had shone unto him. And you know what was the matter? I think the reason he was blinded was because he was used to being in dark. You know how it is when you're, like if you're in a, pit, a dark room. And all of a sudden somebody comes in the room. It's an opportunity to have strife with people when they do this to you. You're sound asleep in a dark room and somebody comes in and turns all the lights on. Right? Huh? Well, the reason that's hard is because your eyes have gotten used to the darkness. Isn't that right? Your, your pupils and your 
the, the, the quantity of light that was, was coming into your pupils was, was nigh on nothing. And so you were in darkness. But when the light got turned on, it was like a, it was like a, a massive explosion of the light of the glorious gospel. And it was like, it was like to Saul of Tarsus, it was, that sun became, and the, but it wasn't the sun, S-U-N, it was the glory of the S-O-N. And that glory shone so brightly that he saw him as he really is and always is and always was. Amen. And it was, it was because he'd been in so much darkness, it, was, it, was, it blew him away and his body literally couldn't handle it. I used to walk in darkness. We were all under darkness. We were under the we were we were under sin. There was death in our life, the Bible says, and we walked in darkness. And we love the Bible tells us this that we loved the darkness more than we loved the light. That's the way I used to live. Amen. I loved the darkness. If it was dark, I was going if there was light, I was going to stay away from it. Amen. I've told you the story about years ago, there was a famous Christian, one of the early Christian guitar players. His name was Phil Keggy. He was a, a worship. Many of you remember Phil Keggy. He was like a, he was before his time, wasn't he? He was an incredible, incredible musician and an incredible worshiper and that's when the Jesus people were getting saved and we found out, man, we can have Jesus and really good music. Woo! Amen. Pastor John, did you go to the thing the other night? At, at Matt, Matthew Ward was over at Pastor Billy Price's church uh, over in uh, the west side. And Matthew Ward, he, he was uh, the first Christian cool music guy he and his, his, his family had a group called, I love it. What do you mean? I was saved just a few weeks and I went to, this, to this, this, this concert down at the University of Cincinnati. You know who the band was? They were called the second chapter of Acts. I was, hey, hey, I was destined to be a spirit-filled believer. The first group I ever heard, amen, <laughs> was the second chapter of Acts. That was Matthew Ward uh, and, and two of his sisters or family members, I think. Amen. And I uh, think, was it a good meeting? I bet it was. Amen. Powerful, man. And, you know, but, there, but, but Phil Kage was he was in that, in that time too. And this guy was like really, really, really good. And so he, but I didn't know Phil Kage. You know why? Because I wasn't running around with people that had any light. Where I went in the music I listened to, the closest thing to heaven ever happened was when we'd listen to Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin and lay on the floor and put the speakers between our ears and smoke some weed and turn it up as loud as it could go. That was, that was as much light as I could, that, that I could handle and that I would that I lived in, which was absolutely nothing. So I wasn't running around with people in the light. I was running around in the darkness. 
I was doing things that people do in the dark. Hmm? Wherever your mind can go and imagine right now, that's where I was. I was I, we were in sin, weren't we, Pastor Josh? We were, we, were, we were under this darkness. That's all that we knew. Well, I told you there, there, was, a, uh, there was a girl. I, I was working at Sears that used to be at Tri-County. And uh, I was working in the, uh, in the uh, stock room and taking stuff out to people's cars and all that. But, and there was a girl, you know, I'd have to walk through the store, and there was a girl there that was in the, uh, she worked in the candy shop. And she was a, she was a pretty girl. And, yeah, I mean, and, so I was interested, but it seemed like she was out of my league. You ever have anybody like that? I just went ahead and fixed the whole thing. I just married out of my league. <laughs> I better sanctify this story telling about a pretty girl that, uh, that was worth <laughs> No, I know. You, what you wish is that I'd have just gone on, not said that, and got in trouble later like you... I know it, man. So, but, but she was. And, but I finally, somehow I worked up the courage to, to ask her out. And we were going to go out on a, I think it was a Friday night. And so, man, I had plans for that Friday night. Huh? I was going to be with the pretty girl from the candy shop. And then whatever else happened went along with it. We were going to smoke some weed and da-da-da. And so I thought, you know, I wasn't a, a real Casanova, so I wasn't, I didn't know what a cool date was. Sarah said, you still don't. <laughs> Seriously. You know where Sarah and I dated? Church. We, did, we dated at church. We, what'd you do? We went to church. Just to be together, we went to church. We go to church all the time. We didn't have time to go anywhere else because they kept us, I think that was the pastor's way of keeping us out of trouble. He just kept us busy going out witnessing and doing all these other things. But So I didn't know what a cool date was. Like, like some of these husbands, like Bob Ward, who probably was, a, I mean, he... He was a real style guy. Ken Jones, look at him, how handsome he is. And he, he probably, I mean, he just, he, he was the bomb, you know. Toye, look at Toye. Where was your first date? We can't talk about it? What? Hey, it's pretty bad. When your wife breaks into laughter, thinking maybe it was a really bad day. <laughs> I'll find out later. I'll tell. I'll send everybody a message. Huh? And so, so I went to a fr because I was inexperienced at this. Um, I went to a, a friend of mine that I thought had a little more experience. I thought, I've got, I'm going out with this girl that, at work, and 
I gotta this has got to be cool, man. I got to take her to a special place. And this guy said, this guy said, oh, man, I heard at, at, over at Blue Ash, UC Blue Ash, Raymond Walters, they called it at the time, there, on Friday night, there's a guy that's going to be in there, this really good guitar player. And there's going to be drinks and alcohol, and it's going to be, it'd be a, it, it would really be a cool, a, a, a cool date, I think, for you. So, uh, okay, well, I, didn't, I didn't ask who it was, I just trusted my friend. And so, and I mean, I don't know if he'd have known anything about it. He just heard there was a concert there. And because he was living in the darkness where I was, we weren't thinking anything about that there might be some light there. And so, so I picked her up, washed my car, and my car was perfect. My hair was, when I had, I had some back then, it was perfect. And picked her up and headed for the University of Cincinnati. I thought, look at me go, man, I'm telling you. And so we got in that, and it was, he had said it was going to be in this certain large area, and there's going to be tables, and people be come around serving drinks and all that kind of stuff. Well, we, I thought it was a little funny because when I walked in, they took, we went into the auditorium. There's a, like, a, like a school auditorium where they do a large class there at the university. And I thought, well, that's okay. They can come down the aisles and <laughs> give us drinks or whatever. But so the, the, this, all of a sudden, this guy comes out. This is the way the concert started. He came out and brought a stool and sat out on this stool. And he picked up his guitar and he played. And, I, and when he started playing, I was like, yes, this is, yes, this is going somewhere tonight. And I didn't mean in the Holy Ghost. And he played for about five minutes the most, some of the most incredible guitar licks that I've ever heard in my life. And then he got finished, and he said, Hey, everybody, my name's Phil Keggy. That didn't mean anything to me. I said, I don't care what your name is if you help me in this situation. And he said, and I'm here to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. How I many know a good date just flew right out the window? It was gone, shot. And, and it, I, I'm telling you, man, I was like, and we had smoked some weed before we went, so you get in that situation, man, when, the, when, when, the, when a guy under the anointing that Phil uh, Keggy carries, when, under that anointing, and then he's, start sharing the gospel and what happened in his life and then singing Christian music. I'm telling you, man, it was like the Holy Spirit was invading my darkness. Just like Saul of Tarsus that was living in darkness and suddenly he came in contact with light. That's what happened that night. Amen. As the light of the glorious gospel invaded my life and it was like they had 
giant spotlights just, just right up on my face and, and this girl's face. I looked at her and she looked at me. We were both like pinned back against the chair by the power of the Holy Spirit. We didn't know what was going on. All I knew is I was trying to think, how can I get out of here as fast as I can? I got to get out of here. Huh? I got to run from here. And we lasted, I don't know if we lasted three or four songs, but suddenly I looked at her and said, I think we both said at the same time, are you ready to go? Because I am. That's the way we are when we were under darkness. Amen? Isn't that a good story? You know, you know God will trick you. <laughs> and I had this feeling that all the time that God was up there just grinning and smiling like he thinks he's going to run away from me. But I got him right where I want him. Huh? I'll even use one of his stupid friends. to get the message to him. I'm telling you today, I am so glad that I came out of darkness. And then what happened to Saul of Tarsus is he started, you know what happened? Once he got, it took a few days, you know, and Ananias came down there and, and he was healed. His eyes got, got well and he could see. But you know what? He's, he never got over that experience, man. That's what I don't understand about a lot of church people, Pastor. I mean, I'm st that's, how, that's what's the matter with me. People think, we're, me and Pastor Josh and uh, Brother Todd, that we're like this because we're preachers. No, man. This is, I didn't, you don't get this being the preacher. You get this when you see the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. I said I saw the light. And when I saw the light, I got impacted by the power of the light. And the light of the glorious gospel, it has power on the inside of it to change the person that it's, that it's blazing on. When the light of the gospel comes, when the good news comes that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, I mean, that's light to a sinner to somebody that lived in utter darkness and outer darkness, it was light to me, praise God. The light of the gospel that God is love, that somebody cares for you so much more than you've ever dreamed or imagined. And there are other people that also love the light and have been called out of their own darkness and run to the marvelous light of the gospel. Now, see, my point is, I don't know what happens to people because once I got blinded on my Damascus road, I have never been the same. I'm not talking about a, a little bit. I'm telling you, we, we got saved. We got converted. We got changed. Every want to inside me got changed. Amen? All my want to's got got changed. My mind got changed. I got a brand new heart when I fell in love with Jesus. Amen? I ran around with different, different people. Amen? I, 
everything about me changed. And I think that what was cool about Saul of Tarsus that became Paul is he never did get over it. And he did, he, it was so real to him that if you threatened to kill him, it wouldn't move him one bit because he wasn't afraid to die because he'd been standing in the light. That's the reason we need to come to the house of the Lord and be with one another to, to run to the light. Run to the light. Run to the light. That's a, that's a challenge today. Run to the light. Run to it. Flee darkness. Flee the wicked world. This world's crazy. They got nothing. Run to the light. That's Jesus. Jesus is that light. Hallelujah. The Bible calls him the light that lights every man that comes into the world. Amen. That's what happened to, to, to him and me and you. It says in verse 1 of Titus, from Paul, God's, I love this in the, we got it in the Passion. Yes. From Paul, God's willing slave. Huh. Willing slave. Somebody said, you, you believe in slavery? Oh, yeah. This kind. This kind right here. Where, where, where we become a Christian and we come under the authority of Jesus Christ. So I didn't, we didn't become church members. We became, we became willing slaves that belong to God, that work for God. And serve God. But the, but the key word there is the word willing. A willing slave. I became a willing slave, Paul said. God's willing slave. And an apostle of Jesus, the anointed one, to Titus. I'm writing you to further the faith of God's chosen ones. And lead them to the full knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, which rests on the hope of eternal life. God, who never lies, ah, has promised us this before time began. In His own time, He unveiled His Word through the preaching of the Gospel, which was entrusted to me by the command of God, our life giver. Titus, you are my true son in the faith that we share. May grace and peace descend to you from God, the Father, and the Savior. Now I want to read something to you about a bondservant even further. The word bondservant in the New Testament, bondservant or slave in other translations, but remember it's a willing slave, is a translation of the Greek word doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S. Unlike perceptions of modern slavery, the bondservant or doulos is a relatively broad term with a wide range of use. In the time of the New Testament, 
A bondservant could refer at times to someone, to someone who voluntarily served others. That's why I love the house of God. You know why? Because, I mean, I get a salary, and we thank God, and we, we have workers here that they, they get not enough, but they get a, a salary. But I love, I love it because most of the church is, is, a, is, is a bunch of, I don't like to use the word, like a volunteer, but, but, but it's, it's people that just freely give their time. Hmm? Our children's people, never, I've never paid the children's people. Maybe I should, but we've never paid them. You know why? Because I don't have to, because they became bond slaves. And they became bond slaves to their calling. They became volunteers, the, the band, the, all the different, different things. It's okay if you do pay people. I'm just saying, but at large, the body of Christ works when people get arrested by Christ and then they become a bondservant. In most cases, however, the term referred to a person in a permanent role of service. I want you to know that when I got drafted into this army of knowing Christ, that I got drafted, I am a lifer. I'm a lifer. You're, we're all when we got saved, we became lifers. A bondservant was considered the property of a Roman citizen holding no right to leave his place of service. Now, I want you to flip over, if you would. We'll go back to the King James here, uh, Cole. Um, in the book of Exodus, chapter 21. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout out loud, I'm a, I'm a bond servant. I'm a willing slave. See, the, make God give me grace as the pastor to help people realize that we, are, we, are, we belong to Him, not ourselves any longer. I don't belong to myself. I can't do what I want to do. I can't go where I want to go. I got it. I've, I'm under his, his service, man. We've given in everything to him. And in Exodus chapter 21, verse 1. Now these are the judgments which shall, you shall set before them. If you brought by a Hebrew servant, six years shall he serve. Okay, so if you have the capacity and you buy a Hebrew servant, you know, that's how they would, what they would do with people back then, in slaves. They would go to the slave market and find the biggest, burliest, strongest person among the slaves, and you, they would bid on those slaves. So if you buy a Hebrew servant, for six years he will serve. But in the seventh year, he will go out free for nothing. So for six years, the Hebrew servant would serve the master. And, that, and he didn't have any right about that. But in the seventh year, he was allowed, under Jewish law, he was allowed to go free for nothing. Verse 3. 
If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife, and she hath borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But this verse 5 changed my life years ago. This rocked my world and put in perspective what I'm trying to imply today and preach about. If the servant shall plainly say, in other words, if he'll make it clear, I love my master, my wife, and my children, and I, don't, I won't go out free. I know I could go out free, but I choose not to go out free. If the servant says, I was purchased by this certain master, and, but I love that master. I love how he treats me. I love how, how kind. He may be a master and I may be called ultimately a slave, but he treats me better than most people treat their own children. That master is a good master. And I know I could go out free and go into my life and do whatever I wanted to do. This is what I'm talking about, being a bondservant and really becoming a born-again Christian. That's what happened to, to us when we got saved. We, we came under His authority and His lordship. And He bought me out of the slave market of sin. I was standing there in the long line of slaves and he looked at me and pointed his finger and say, I want that one right there. I want him. What, what price will he require? And the, and, the, and the owner of the slave shouted back and said, amen. It's, it's going to take somebody's life. Amen. And he bought me. And he paid for me with his son's own blood as he gave himself to me. For six years, I, we could serve that master. But in the seventh year, the master will come and say now, like if it was Toye. Toye, thank you for serving me so well. You've been a faithful servant. You, you have... have treated me as, as a father. You've not treated me as a, like you resented me as your master. You have outworked everybody on this farm. You have served me well and you've done it for six years. Now Toye, it's time for you to go on and build, a, build your own life now. Now Toye, you're free to go. But if Toye loved his master, can you imagine this? If Toye loved his master, Toye would say, he would say, wait, wait, wait a minute. I know that's the law, but what if I don't want to go? Well, that's probably a shock to the, to the, to the master. He'd never had anybody like that. But Because most people, you say, well, you don't have to do this anymore, man. They'd be running to get away from it. Huh? 
Praise God. I, I, I'm really glad we've got this system like this where everybody that comes, nobody makes you come. You know, you don't have to come. We don't have to, we're not here because we have to come. We're here because we're, we don't, because we love our master. Yes. I love my master. Yes. I know I could have my own life and I had dreams and aspirations and things that, that I wanted to do just like you. Man, but, but when I met my master and he bought me out of the slave market of sin, amen, and I said, I said to myself, well, I'm, I don't, no, please don't, don't make me go. Don't run me out. Don't make me go. Please, please let me stay. Let me stay and serve you because I love you, because you've been good to me. That's the way we are with God. God hasn't, he hasn't helped my life just not go to hell. God's been so good to me, Miss Beth. He's showed his grace and his favor and his mercy over and over and over to me. He's blessed my, my wife, my family, the work of my hands. He's blessed our ministry all through the years. He has done me nothing but good. And maybe I could go free, but I'll tell you, I'm not going anywhere. That's what I want to say to Jesus today. Jesus, we, you got a bunch of love slaves down here and we're not going anywhere. We're not going out and make our own life. We want to live for you and live your life that you've destined for us. Thank you, Tony. Watch now. If a ser- Verse 5 again. If a servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free. Then his master, I love this, his master will bring him to the judges and he will bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through his ear with an awl, A-U-L, and look at this now, and he will serve that master forever. So they would, this slave that said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. I don't want to leave. I know I could, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm glad I'm a Christian. I'm excited about the house of God. I'm glad about my calling. Huh? And I'm not going anywhere. They would, as a sign of what kind of person he was, they would take that servant to the door and they would, he would pull his ear out and, and put his ear up against the door or the door post and they would take an awl, a, a sharp instrument and they would, with maybe some kind of force, they would, they would drive that awl through his ear. It was, it was piercing his ear. Huh? I preached this, I rem- as I remember, for the first time in about 1984. And the, the, the little worship team we had, the, the, the girl that played the keyboard, right in the middle of that service, God gave her a song. And that song was called Pierce My Ear. 
Pierce my ear, O God, my Lord. Take me to the door today. And drive an all through my ear. What was that? What did that mean? That mean that 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 a scar would grow over that place where that all had gone through. And that that was a sign to all others. It was a sign that there is a master somewhere that is so gloriously incredible, so marvelous, that a person that could find freedom says, I, I, wanna, I love my master. No, I don't want to leave. Take me to the door. I'd, take me to the door. Yeah, but it'll hurt if we drive an all through you. No, but I'll be with my master. I want to be a sign. See, when I would see, when I would see that slave, the goal was not to bring honor to the slave that he was willing to go to the door, but to bring honor to the master. How good is the master? Where, where people that could run free would say, no, please don't make us go. We want to serve you. We're going to stay here and we want to go to the door because we want, we want the, to be a sign that we're going to serve this master not for a day or an hour or a few years or when everything's good. We're going to serve this master under every circumstance. We are going to stay here at your house and we're going to be your servant, your bond-serving Servant, your willing slave, we are going to be that for the rest of our life. And if, I, if you met that man and he had a, the scar on his ear, man, my first question would be, who is your master? Who, do you, who is he that you could go free, but you love him enough that you've chosen to serve him and to stay here as a slave. Man, may God use all of us as examples. I want people looking at me and saying, Pastor Crabb could go out and live any, any kind of life he wants to, but he's chosen to stay in the house of God, to serve the master. I'm looking for some people today. Come on, praise team that understand what I'm talking about and are willing and want to go to the door today. Pierce my ear, O oh Lord my God. Take me to the door today. Pierce my ear. Pierce my heart. I belong to you. I'm going to serve you because you're kind. Not because you're making me. I'm not doing this out of you forcing me to do it. I'm doing it because of, you, because of how kind you are and how good you are. Take me to the door today for the glory of God. Go ahead, Taylor. Praise His holy name. Praise His holy name. Sholaba shotola bo shotola bo shotola. 
you're here today and you're ready to go to the door, that you want to be a forever bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you want to be His under His authority and under His Lordship, if you're willing to go all the way and go to the door, I just want you to stand. Now think about what that means before you do. It means you're giving up your rights to yourself for the rest of your life. But if you want to go to the door and you understand what that means today, in the name of Jesus, just stand up. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your Lordship. We thank you today that you are the King. You are the great God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you found me, Lord, on a dark, lonely road. You found me, and you saved me, and you healed me, and you delivered me. You, you Lord, have found me. Today I love you. And I'm inviting you all of us here today to go to the door in the name of Jesus. What an appropriate song that Trent sang today. Abba, I belong to you. Amen. Sing, Trent. Let's sing it together. If you're going to the door, sing it with us. Come on. Trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Amago Day, please visit our website at amagodaysensi.com. 
I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I-C-I-N-C-Y.com.
We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Imago Day, please visit our website at imagodeicincy.com. I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I-C-I-N-C-Y dot com.